Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 14th, 2012. For newcomers, make sure that you use the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com where you'll find hundreds, that's over a thousand audios for free download and I go through the system that you're living in and how it truly began, at least for the 20th century and a little, little bit before too. And I go through the big players that formed a system, a club if you like, to bring in uh, this new world order, the order for the 21st century, the century where they, the, the elite themselves, the, the ones who are more evolved than everyone else would, and who owned most of the planet, of course, and still do, uh, they, they decided to take over the world and run it the way that it should be run. So help yourself to those audios. There's lots of information there. And I mentioned various books put out by the big players themselves because they do love to boast when it comes to retirement time of the big part they played in shaping the direction of the planet. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Now, I don't bring on sponsors who scare you with things, nasty stories, and then give you solutions to things and sell you stuff. I depend upon you listeners to uh, just buy the books and discs and donate at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So you can do it from the U.S. to Canada by using personal check, or you can use international postal money order from the post office. So you could send cash, or you can use PayPal. It's up to you across the world. You're left with Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Once again, restraint donations are terribly welcome in these austere times of hyperinflation or quantitative easing, as they like to call it now. As I say, the interesting thing about this whole system is that eventually you'll wake up to realize that all the the, the big uh, sensational stories put out by the media, apart from distracting you, keeping you back into politics again, which is a dead-end game. If politics works, believe me, they'd make it illegal. And, uh, and therefore, it doesn't work at all. It's a con job. It saves them having revolutions every few years because people put pin their hopes on some new champion, you know, a knight in shiny armor coming along and doing all the nasty stuff for them. That's how it really, really, very simplistic, really. So... I go through it, as I say, and you can pin it together. It's not guesswork. Uh, the big boys do have their organizations. These are the same group, the groups that formed the United Nations. They created the United Nations to really be a kind of new global system of legalities. Never mind its army as well, NATO. It has a system of legalities because all laws that get put across the world at the same time and implemented into action come from the United Nations. That's from your house building, your plumbing codes, electrical codes, land codes, water use rights, everything comes via the United Nations. And guess what? None of us elected any of these characters in. And it's time, if the people really wanted to, to get rid of it altogether because it's the biggest threat the world has ever seen. 
as not democratic, never pretended to be. And yet the, the leaders always use the term democracy, spreading democracy when they want to go over and plunder some other person's country. And uh, they do it all the time. And such a hypocritical uh, thing to do when you have no democracy within the United Nations. It's a hierarchical system. It's in beds completely. And it's a lot of money, not just from all the countries, but from big international corporations as well. And uh, they do not have your best interests at heart. They're the guys behind who push all the environmental laws that want depopulation. Uh, they have many, they have even departments of depopulation, by the way. They call it population, they should call it, call it population control. They just call it Department of Population now, it sounds better. But it's depopulation. They don't sit and make wish lists, folks. They introduce things into the world society. Because you see, the elite must go on into the future while you all die off. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're talking about the big system we're born into and how it's really pushing now for the, the century of change. This is it, you're in it now, this is the century of change when the aspirations of very, very wealthy people a long time ago are coming true. They wanted to run the planet in a proper way, you know, where you didn't leave people at the bottom to make their own decisions on anything. You would decide if they would live, die, if they could mate Mari and all the rest of it and it's been awfully successful they're almost at that stage now where and I think folk will, the few that want to get married will probably you know, walk up and ask permission if they can etc and go through genetic testing to see if they're the right kind of children and, and will probably apologise when they're turned down they'll say oh we're terribly sorry we're not good enough that's the population we have today because for 50-60 years you've had a war on your minds played on you and the culture, total war complete total war on the entire culture of the planet, designed, written about by big players, world players, and we are the end product of it. We're dysfunctional. Most of the men in the West have gone sterile, and probably young men too, and this is all by design. You can't get volunteers to be sterilized, so you simply go ahead and do it by nefarious means. Uh, that's how the world is truly run. And remember, too, when they set up the United Nations, they said that the war would be on mankind because mankind was a prob- problem of all wars, etc. That was reiterated with the Club of Rome, the big think tank for the United Nations, who come out with the, 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 the in fact, they dreamed up the idea to unite the planet through an idea of global warming or drought, famine, plagues, all the rest of it. Uh, and man, again, would be the enemy for that. So we are the enemy. I read an article yesterday where the U.S. State Department says that mankind's the enemy again. So we're all the enemies, you see, all, all the people who are at the bottom heap, the ones who comprise the, the vast uh, amounts of population on the planet, the ones who haven't been psychopathic enough to claw their way up over the bodies of everybody else to the top. And so we're the useless eaters now. And, of course, elite do have a plan to go on to the future using technology, living in smart cities built for, them, for themselves, city-states, in fact, to see wither away the nations. First, they must consolidate the planet, plant their flag and say, yeah, we won, and then take the flag away and then bring down the nations into until they fade away, just like Lenin said that they would. He was in it too, of course. Now, we find, as I say, the United Nations really is a big player in a lot of this because everything goes through them. Uh, 
And um, Ban Kai Moon, what a joke this guy is. But anyway, they're all jokes. But they're jokes with amazing power when your own politicians who are part of the scam. I mean, you can't get into politics. It certainly never rise in politics unless you're brought in on board with the scam of the con game of how what's really going on and where their goals are for the general public. The public are sheep, you understand. And they're the good shepherds. You never, you never slaughter one sheep in front of the rest. They'd all panic and run away. You must talk nice to the sheep and give them occasional little pats, you know. And, uh, and they don't run away. And so therefore they never tell the public the truth. In fact, most of the job of the, of the government is hiding the truth from the people. That's why they hire these vast, massive marketing companies to come in and, uh, and find ways to, to, to use wording, special wording to put things over to the public, which could be utterly lies, partial truths, or completes, you know, whatever. So that's how it's run with the general public. Remember, two, the big players like Carol Quigley, hysterians for the Council on Foreign Relations, um, who have got branches across the whole planet now, by the way. They even have the Mexico. They're having a meeting in Mexico with the Mexican branch, the CFR with um, the American branch. Uh, this month, everything coincides this month, by the way. Uh, it's a G20 meeting, which they didn't advertise because they don't want riots. At the same time that they're having their other big meeting, uh, Rio Plus 20 in Brazil. So here's Ban Ki-moon and uh, this guy that no one has elected into office. We have elected nobody within the United Nations. And it says, model of consumption is dead, it says. Remember what the Club of Rome said? Post-consumerism. That was 30 or well, 40 years ago. So it's reiterated again. Model of consumption is dead, he says. And he envisions a world of forced environmental labor. Right along the communistic model that they had in the Soviet Union, when those who ruled the Soviet Union and who don't believe in manual labor for themselves, was a special, forced it on everybody else. You know, for the world and the environment. So UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon has written a guest piece for De Spiegel. In it, he declares that consumption is dead, post-consumer, and that the new economic model is needed for the planet. Well, that is also where you will be spending all the money you used to have to spend on consuming uh, in fees, taxes, and energy taxes, carbon taxes, and just to stay alive, basically. He says, however, like everyone else, he cannot tell us what the model is supposed to look like. And when he tries, he only delivers a lot of confusion. Moon writes, for too long we have been trying to secure the path to prosperity with increased consumption. This model is dead. In Rio, we have to develop a new model for an economic system of the 21st century, one that refutes the myth that there can be, there has to be a zero-sum balance between growth and environment. Using intelligent measures, governments can create growth fight poverty, create jobs, and accelerate social progress, while at the same time conserve the natural and limited resources of the planet. What Moonen is calling for is growth through shrinkage. That makes it, that's, that's the modern, modern doublespeak, you see. To tell us how all this is supposed to work, 25,000 people are flying on jet-fueled guzzling jumbo jets, staying in the air-conditioned hotels, and indulging in a days-long bash of food and drinks consumption, all on the taxpayer's dime. Uh, there's no shrinkage here. Now, you understand, like the G20 uh, and environmentalists, these characters are your new elite, you understand. And all the academia that they plucked up there, too, to, to, to confuse the general public with their doublespeak, uh, they're having a great old bash, basically, all meeting each other and exchanging their cards and 
all that kind of stuff. And, you know, 20 course lunches, that kind of stuff. And all the prostitutes that you want. Because, by the way, they're always Leon prostitutes. I've had it in the paper so many times for these characters of all ages because they're, they're exempt from pedophilia charges and things like that. So, you understand, here's your new overlords meeting again. One group of them. Well, the G20 is meeting in Mexico while the Rio is going on, etc., etc. It's just amazing. And people still go and vote for what they think are their politicians that don't do anything about it because they're subservient to these guys that I'm talking about here. But we haven't had democracy. We've never seen democracy. It's been a, a, a big joke, folks. Moon adds that, that lots of countries are now adopting clean Green methods for generating power and recycling waste. He cites Barbados, Cambodia, Indonesia, Korea, South Africa, Armenia, Azerbaijan, uh, Egypt, Kenya, China, Brazil, and India. Readers by now will notice that many of these countries are developing right along uh, and are now being able to produce more efficiently only because they've reached a degree of prosperity through the model that Moon likes to declare dead. In other words, all these countries' mentions are using coal fires and everything else, and they're allowed to under the special treaties they have for them. We are not supposed to use them, you see. Moon also fails to tell us that the countries he mentions above will indeed have huge growth in CO2 emissions in the years and decades ahead. They're allowed to by law. To deny these countries increases in CO2 will be to deny them the prosperity they need to clean up their acts. Uh, in fact, it is the green movement that has pushed so many things in the wrong direction lately, uh, thinking energy poverty from high energy prices, food shortages, and deforestation from palm oil plantations and biofuel crops. Moon may not know it, but it is his model that is dead. He's not dead. They know exactly what they're doing. You see, the first world countries have to be brought down to barbaric status. And I mean dog-eat-dog, literally, at the bottom. That is the agenda, whether you know it or not. Look around you. Everything's dysfunctional. Environmental Labour Camp says, In truth, the UN's idea of a new prosperity, dubbed sustainable living, would be so regulated and fraught with restrictions that it would de facto transform human society into a global concentration camp of forced environmental labour. The focus of our work and energy would be to pay for green energy and to fulfil emission targets. And regardless of cost, to yield human life or anything else, that means freezing to death in the winter, they want to fulfil these targets. Moon's vision is, he writes, moreover, he, he want, we, uh, we want to double energy efficiency and the share of renewable energy. And Rio representatives of governments, companies and civil society are going to introduce a variety of measures to reach these targets. Wonderful. They want to force types of energy with what we neither want nor can afford. Again, this is, this, uh, is being proposed by people who crisscross the globe in private jets, are ferried around in limousines, and stay in luxury hotels on the taxpayer's dime. For the rest of us, it's a pedal bike uh, and eats eating insects and living in a hut. Uh, Moon adds, renewable energy for everyone is the partnership of the future. The principle is simple yet powerful. The United Nations brings all players to the table so they can work together on this goal. But Rio Plus 20 is about, uh, is, is about much more. The conference is the expression of a, a dynamic worldwide movement for the change. It's a huge step to a future that we want, says Moon. Well, he's only a half Moon, really. He's not that bright. He's maybe even less than that, you know. It's not a new moon either. He's had parents before him. Anyway, nobody voted for this character. And literally, it's about time everyone told these these uh, uh, scumbags of politicians 
that we want rid of all this. We don't need another group and tier of masters over us. We don't need it at all. We don't need it at all. It's amazing how they make themselves official. And, and you've grown, you, you're born into it. You hear the United Nations, oh, it must be official. What do you mean? What does official mean? That means everyone must consent to it. You know, and, and really technically you do each time you listen to the tripe that they pour out there. And, uh, and then you part off yourself. And then you go and pay special taxes to some strange group that you've never met, you've never voted for, and, and uh, who lord over you. It's time this was finished, finished completely. If not, we're kaput, we're finished. Everybody's finished. This is a long-term plan, remember. And they want to massively reduce the population. They've already talked about rap- going into rapid depopulation now. Not just abortions across the world, rapid depopulation. As everybody's dying off of cancers, even the young folk all around you. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix and just talking about the crazy world. It's not so crazy after all. It's crazy like a fox because the guys at the top know what they're doing. They simply keep chaos and confusion at the bottom when people are really occupied and worried about just getting by and what they're, how they're going to survive next week, a lot of people. That's how life really is for those at the bottom, which is the majority of the public, of course. We're the useless eaters and um, we're going to get punished severely for just not making the grade, you know, in the eugenics lineup. And while they're doing all this, I'm going to austerity. It's just astonishing. You see the system of corruption called money and monetary systems and usury and all the rest of it. It's always depended on big, big building projects. Always done through history. Big building projects. You know, the big Masonic thing. Because, you see, to get folk to use money even long, long ago, uh, they had to be conquered. And the guys who conquered them are generally in the employ of, of, of uh, the, the same old banking people as down through the ages. It's always been that way. And they had to force cash on people, and it was taxed back off them for big building projects, you see. You had big temples or cathedrals or statues, roads, for like the Romans did. And, uh, and once after generations passed, everyone thinks cash is normal. So uh, that's how they get you under, the, 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 under their thumb, basically. And they always find ways, even in the middle of supposedly bank crashes and austerity and bailing out banks all over the planet, to find more money to build, again, big building projects. You know, they love big, big things. I think they've got this a, kind of penis envy or something with those guys. Here's an example here. We can see for miles and miles, it says, World's biggest telescope, E-E-L-T, is given the go-ahead. The telescope is very likely to make new discoveries that we can't even imagine now. So there's your PR build-up to waste all your cash. Scientists have been given the go-ahead to build the world's largest telescope, which they hope will reveal if life exists outside the solar system. Nobody, if any life out there, would keep far away from this place, believe you me. Anyway, it says, um, it's hoped the incredible structure, which will take 10 years to build and cost 880 million pounds. This is to give a few clique scientists, you know, from very wealthy families, well-known uh, jobs they can sit in there, you know. Rear ends all day and uh, have occasional glance upwards and write one paper a year and get massive funding for it. Anyway, it says, could answer the age-old question of whether we're alone in the universe. They've already had the SETI program up for donkey's years, and the only time they saw aliens is in the movies. And 
everything else has been a, it's a waste of time and money. It says the ELT's main mirror is made up of 800 hexagonal segments and will be able to gather 15 times more light than the largest telescopes being currently used. And it's going to be, oh, half the size of, of a big football field or something like that. You know, as they talk about, oh, how as big as yours? <laughs> I've got a bigger one here. And I think they're building it in somewhere, uh, maybe in Chile or somewhere, to get so, that, so they can get a better view of the sky since they've sprayed everybody else so much. We can't see very much. We've got global dimming now, you see. So I'll put this link up tonight for those who like to see how your cash is wasted for a few clique elitists to play themselves, play it being scientists and write an occasional paper on it. Another article too is vaccination madness, the anti-stress vaccine that would create joint, uh, uh, it would create compliance by the population, a compliant population. And um, it's quite an interesting article. It says stress is a problem for many. Oh, they really understand how we live at the bottom. Likely most people in modern society were constantly told that it's a killer. Does that mean that we should have a vaccine to stop it? That's the goal of one scientist. And when the implications of such a vaccine are considered, it's hard to believe that any tyrannical government would be able to resist it. Well, that's what Russell said too. Years ago, they wanted to work on something like that. Just imagine a society of happy slaves as every dictator's dream come true. It's not just science fiction, it's a coming reality. This is Robert Sapolsky. As a neuroscientist, suddenly you got neuroscientists. You see the guys that chop up brains all the time and keep staring at them and say, ooh, look at that, hmm. And, uh, and experimentations. You must always create a lot of new vocabulary when you want to create a science to confuse the general public who would catch on that you're just talking nonsense. Anyways, at Stanford University in California, he started his career in the study of baboons, you know, just like us, of course, that's how they see us, whose lives are controlled by a hideous restrictive hierarchy, just like us, we're, we're, we've got a hideous restrictive hierarchy too. While in Africa, he noted that the baboons at the bottom of the social order suffered a great stress and lived shorter, less healthy lives because probably they couldn't eat into the food because of the greedy psychopaths above them, you see. Eventually, his research arena in Africa uh, became polluted with too many people and all that entailed, including garbage dumps and pollution, which literally polluted his research. So he took it up at Stanford, where he redirected his efforts into finding a way to ease stress in the belief that he'd be improving people's health. From, so from baboons to people, you see, from the zoologist. And it says here, you can give a guy a drug-coated stent, but if you don't fix the stress problem, it won't really matter. For so many conditions, stress is the major long-term risk factor. Everything else is a short-term fix. That's why they give you stress all the time. So rather than trying to find ways to alleviate stress, he and his team of researchers, just by themselves, like, you know, with no authority and, you know, well, who funded them, right, at Stanford, set out to find a way to stop the physical effects of stress. Glucosteroids are the hormones that create the stress response, so he focused on finding ways to circumvent them. Sapolsky and his team used genetic engineering to create a herpes virus that carries neuroprotective genes, but has the genes that are harmful to humans engineered out. I really believe that. The so-called neuroprotective genes are designed to produce growth factors, antioxidants, and estrogen mimickers. So we'll all have <laughs> breast and everything else, and, and I guess we'll all be happy sitting in it. In other words, it says they're planning to remake the major portion of the endocrine system and produce artificial antioxidants that have not been mediated through the digestive system, and so on and so on. And uh, stimulate cellular growth, which sounds just like cancer. This is what they want to use on you next. But you'll line up for it. Read your flu shots. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix and just going through this crazy, uh, crazy like a fox world that we live in because it truly is crazy like a fox. Everything is planned this way. They constantly take polls in the public from your daily media and, and from your tweets and from your information you voluntarily give out. They keep the pulse in the public, of course, and they know exactly how we're all feeling at the bottom level. And when it gets too bad, they give us some distraction which carries us off in a way into the never-never regions. And the fact is we, we can't do anything about anything anyway, but they're good at giving us lots of distractions. That's what most media is full of, nothing but distractions, actually. It's certainly very seldom any kind of truth. Now, one of the articles we put up tonight, two is a link to a professor who's teaching a class that's supposed to be in history, and he teaches his class how to make up fake history and put it out on the Internet and then study all the, the idiots that follow it and, and watch how it takes off, like a meme, basically. And uh, it's actually getting taught in, in courses in, in university now. So I put that up, and it was a live interview, I think it's CBC, and a couple of uh, uh, written articles on it, too. And also... Another one, too, is a, a little cartoon uh, to do with global warming and a greenie guy. Uh, it's, a wind, it's called Wind Turbine Flunky. I'll put that up tonight as well, and you can have a wee chuckle at that. You see, it sounds mad when we go through all the things that are pushing, because it's meant to sound mad. The guys at the top know this. It sounds exactly like the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, when the policies were set, uh, you had to be so politically correct on anything. Uh, it literally could cost you more than just your job. And it would cost you certainly your job, but it could cost you your life as well. Even in poetry, everything had to be pro, pro-Marx, you know, and how Marx would have thought of this, and the proper, the proper Marxian doctrine. Every single topic under the sun had to be related back to Marx. You see, or you, you, you really, you could really suffer terribly. This is how the system is today with the whole greening fanatical system they're bringing in. You must be fanatical along with them, uh, or else, uh, you know, you're suspicious. You might be a thinker, and you can't have thinkers, you see. They've already said that to go against global warming and the theories you said was heresy. Same with the, the European Union. They said anyone who spoke out against the, the obvious benefits and, and sense of the European U- Union was a heretic. That's what it said from the top. This is this is Soviet system. They always use the Soviet system because the bankers invented it, you see. And the bankers are running the show here now, open, quite openly, actually, for those who can't really see it. And it sounds mad at the bottom, but it's not mad at all. It's, it's just the way they put it across to you. And the UK, of course, every year they keep bringing out new stuff to do more snooping. I don't know how more, much more snooping you can do on the public. And that's what they tell you about. There's a lot of stuff they, they don't tell you about. Most of, most of the stuff they don't tell you about. But they want to keep, give you an idea that you're still under some kind of legal system where they, they legally have to do things. That's, that's nonsense, actually. That truly is nonsense. But here's, here's one ridiculous article. Details of Internet use in the UK will have to be stored for a year to allow police and intelligence services to access it under government plans. Well, they tell us the same thing every year. They've already been doing it. Records will include people's activity on social network sites, web mail, internet phone calls, and online gaming. 
The Home Secretary, Theresa May, I don't know whether she may do this or she may do that, said the change was needed to keep up with how criminals were using new technology. See, everybody's a criminal now, remember that. But senior Tory uh, David uh, Davis said it was incredibly intrusive and would only catch the innocent and complete. This is a rubbish article. It's just rubbish. But anyway, it says the communications data bill has been published in draft form. I'll put the link up tonight too at cuttingthroughdemagers.com. But the government faces a battle to get it through Parliament intact. I don't see why. Uh, it says restrictions are likely to be placed on types of phone and internet data local councils can access in an effort to win over critics. But the proposals have still been branded as Snooper's Charter by civil liberties campaigners. They don't need any, any special permission to, to, to go in and snoop on anybody at all. So it says, just like the internet, any private home can be a crime scene, but should we install hidden cameras and microphones in every bedroom in the land? I should add to that just in case. I mean, that's really what it's like, isn't it? Under the guise of stopping terrorists. These are the same guys, and through Hollywood and so on, they always talk about the McCarthy era. And laugh as so McCarthy was a nutcase, or Red's under the bed. This is the same boys, these far lefters, you know, who are awfully, awfully stinking rich, by the way, who, who, who are doing all this. And, and you can't laugh at them when they talk about terrorists are just everywhere. They might be in your home. You might turn into one. Ah, oh, dear, dear, dear. And again, count, count up to 2052. I'll put up again the overarching framework for action, and this is from the Club of Rome. Everything ties together, as I say, with the Rio uh, conference coming up and the G20, hosted by the Mexican branch of the Council on Foreign Relations. I'll put a little interview about that one up as well. So they're on a roll. Everything uh, is just rampaging ahead. Uh, now, in Britain, uh, as I've said, now that we're completely dysfunctional and have promoted certain aspects of strange behavior as a sort of holy cause or something, 99% of, uh, 99 are arrested, there's people arrested in a paedophile uh, abuse raid in Britain. That's the latest one. Uh, and they've got all these different people, retired teachers, members of the armed forces, and a scout leader are among 99 people arrested in raids targeting online paedophiles. This is 140 search warrants were issued by some 40 forces during the UK-wide raids, led by the Child Exploitation and Online Protection Centre. Most warrants relate to downloading and sharing indecent images. They've got government employees and everything. And I I tell you, that's where they really start to try and whitewash it when they've got so many government employees involved in it as well. Uh, They'll sweep that under the rug and keep quiet. So, So some of them included a pathologist, a firefighter, an activities instructor, government employees, and a referee. Known offenders who had breached the conditions of the sex offender register were also held. 42 forces from around the UK made the following arrests and it tells you all the different ones and how many they, they nabbed each. So uh, it's quite the big operation. And it, again, it doesn't, it doesn't catch the upper crust of them because they have their own special systems a, a, a little bit above that, you see. So uh, it's just rampaging on as a society is broken now, you see. It's broken destruction of the family unit, destruction of normal values, and, and in comes everything else, and the sky's the limit. And then they turn around and say, my God, look what's happening, like they didn't know. This is all part of it. It's all part. Military suicides reach terrifying rates in the U.S. One death a day, it's now, don't they? And it says, um, according to findings released Thursday by the U.S. Department of Defense, the suicide rate for active duty soldiers so far in 2012 is around one per day. 
In just the first 155 days of the year, 154 soldiers have committed suicide, a statistic only made more ghastly by comparing to the number of American troops killed by insurgency this year. The website icasualties.org reports that only 139 U.S. soldiers died in battle this year. Uh, 155 died of suicide. We're very concerned at this point that we are seeing a high number of suicides. At a point in time, we were expecting to see a lower number of suicides. Jackie Garrick, head of the Pentagon's Neuroestablished Defense Suicide Prevention Office, tells Associated Press. So, it's just going up and up and up. And, of course, there are so many different drugs and everything else. And uh, I, I think, really, that they're inducing psychotic states with the drugs. We know that, too. The Canadian troops were on a specific anti-malarial drug. In fact, had a, they had a few, an expose a few years ago when they were going crazy when they were coming back home. And they said themselves that it was like living in an LSD trip with psychedelic colors and everything. And one of them admitted pulling his pistol out on children just for the hell of it and putting it to their heads. Didn't know what he was doing. It was all unreal, surrealistic. But that's what they want at the top. And cops cheer an NYPD officer, Richard Hast, or Hasty, who was charged in the death of teenager Remarley Graham. This guy, this cop, followed the Graham into his home and shot him dead. And uh, uh, when yeah, he either got off with it in, in the courtroom or he was given bail, uh, lots of cops came in to watch it and they cheered for the cop. It's, it's, it's amazing what they're turning. You can't put uniforms on people, you understand. They become tribal immediately. It doesn't matter what, what uniform it is. Even postal workers, they become tribal. It's, you put, you know, five bells on the cows and they, they follow, they, they form their own little herd separate from the rest of them. It's just one of these things in nature. Australia has been carved up and now into these marine parks. Uh, because they're really goody two-shoes now. Now they're under the communist system and Fabian system. And uh, they're reading the world in CO2 and all the rest of the nonsense that they've dreamed up out of their imaginations. And uh, lots of fishermen are losing their jobs because they, they now look, they kind of fish along the Great Barrier Reef, Reef and stuff like that. It says, Australia will create the world's largest network of marine parks as the world turns a corner on ocean protection. It says that the network announced this morning is made up of five main zones and offshore waters surrounding every state and territory. But the government will have to pay up to $100 million in compensation to commercial fishermen who will be locked out of some of the new marine parks. So now they're making parks in the sea. What's ne- well, they've already done it in the air. It's not our air anymore. You know that. The only part of the air that's yours is the CO2 that you have to pay for. <laughs> You know, the homeless are accumulating and everyone's getting used to them. I remember watching Meet the Tribe when they brought some people from a, a tribe off the coast of New Zealand over who'd never really seen that cities before or anything like that. They lived in a really nice uh, village where they helped each other and they were kept, again, they're parked. They don't know it themselves. They're kept parched by the authorities, joined the authorities so that they can keep them forever and study them like, like they had in, you know, Brave New World, the savages. But they're, they're very happy people. And they brought them over to England. And, and these, these guys were shocked to see folk homeless. They couldn't understand why folk should be homeless in any, anywhere. How can you let your people be homeless? So in England, some of the councils have come, have come up with an idea how to deal with the homeless. And one of them is this one. Manly councils to, are to buy wheelie bins. That's garbage bins on wheels for the homeless to store their possessions in. So that's what you give to the homeless. You give them garbage bins, folks. 
And it says, an unusual plan to protect the possessions of the street dwellers, the council passed a motion to buy six for Manley's Community Centre and Fairlight Centre to lead to lend to rough sleepers. They're called rough sleepers. And it says the bins cost seventy-one pound dollars. It says dollars seventy-one dollars. Must be mistakes. But how can you pay seventy-one dollars for that piece of recycled plastic each? And are like any 120-litre bin of the kind normally used to collect rubbish. But Manly Council Safety Officer Lini Martin said they would be brightly coloured and branded. That's like branding someone because you're poor. It's just like you're a walking psychedelic turtle. Eh? We're going to buy the bins in bright purple or, or a lime colour so they don't get mistaken for waste. I mean, the guy might go in there to sleep and in comes a garbage truck and dumps them in there. It says that the manager of Manly Community Centre, Jacqueline Smith, said the centre currently provided cupboards, but not enough to cater for the demand. She said opening hours limited the centre's services. So, you've got, it says if you've got swags and blankets, it's very cold and damp, so we thought it was such a good idea. These people are nuts. You see, the more education they get, the more fictitious that their system is because they live in fiction. Most folk live in fiction from television and they also get, once you get jobs you see uh, uh, they bring in uh, the motivational counsellors. Before you know it you're living in surrealism with, and you're in a different fantasy world altogether and they come up with these ridiculous crazy notions like this, like brainstorming sessions that they use in, in offices you know Anything, whatever comes in your mind you just put it forward and that's what they do they live in fantasy and then we have to live in fantasy because they're telling us we got to. What a what a joke this is, eh? And people too. There's so many unemployed people uh, that they're going along with these jokes, which are not jokes anymore. Employers are, are now asking job seekers for their Facebook passwords. Now they were doing that a few years ago and came down hard on them, but now they're getting away with it. So it says when Justin Bassett was interviewed for a new job, he was using he's expecting the usual questions and so on, blah blah. But then he was astonished when the interviewer asked for something else, his Facebook username and his password. So that's what they're doing now for you if you're in the lower end. You see, the more powerless you are, the less stats in society, the more, the more powerless you are, and the less you count. There's, there's nothing out there for you. Really. It's just how the system really is. See, we're in a real eugenical society. They're, they're really open about it now. They're very, very open about it now. One of the richest men in the world... Uh, men in the world actually came out and said this. Uh, just to, I'll put a link up to this too. He said he said that people should be made to work till they're seventy at least. He says now, because of the economy. One of the most stinking. He is labelled as the most richest guy on the planet. This is what we're living in today. You understand? This is this is pre-Dickinson. We're in. We're, we're pre-Dickinsonian. That's where we are right now. And you all think it's normal. Because unlike Dickinson's era, you've got all these cheap gadgets for having fun. You've got lots of fun, cheap entertainment, all perverted entertainment. Everything makes you laugh and giggle and all the rest of it and, and, and contaminate your brain. And that's why people aren't retaliating at all. It's warfare. And they don't even know it. They don't know it. I'll also be up tonight to the leaked document um, which reveals the Rio Plus 20 Sustainable Development Goals. And it just got released there and uh, what they're after with it. Because, as I say, these big meetings are really a propaganda meeting for the general public to hear them being announced every year. It makes them more official sounding when they get together. And 
they're bringing out their sustainable development goals and um, and lots of things, which are only going to cost you lots and lots and lots of money, of course, as you take away your disposable income. After all, if you're post-consumer, you don't need that disposable income. It'll have to go to basic necessities, you understand, and fees and all that stuff. So they're, they're really going to go ahead with it. And um, I'll also put up tonight uh, as a, another document, leaked document, which came out to do with another big, uh, it's a, a Trans-Pacific partnership deal they signed uh, that's not to be, supposed to be made known to the public, but that's explaining why all these different groups now are getting more cash, more countries are getting more cash from you, of course, because you're richer than they are, supposedly, even though they're bringing in more cash than you'll ever see. You only be paying a lot of cash to all these countries that are coming in, and how all—it's it's a, it's a total free trade agenda. The one they discussed back in the early 1900s, by the way, the complete removal of all barriers for corporations, international corporations, to move trade goods and labour across the planet. That's what it is. The complete thing—it's all here now. They've been working at this for a hundred years, and it's all here. As I say, too, I'll also put up the, the one to do with the G20 Mexico summits from the Council on Foreign Relations and the interview the head of the Mexican Department of Council on Foreign Relations who's hosting uh, this other meeting. So all coinciding the same month, uh, to do, and we're going to get hammered with all the, all the news that comes out of all this. You do understand it's not meant that you can keep all of the news in your head. There's so many real things happening like G20s, Rio, and so on, you can't even keep up with that. It's not meant to. It's meant to overwhelm you. And most folk won't really know about it or care. They had accept their servants, basically. They're just low-level servants, peasants. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Daniel from the UK who's been hanging on there. Are you still there, Daniel? Yeah, hello Alan. How you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. Um, I haven't been on for a while, but it's good to uh, hear that you're still in the game, as they say. Yep. So, uh, enjoying your books, and I'll say to people that you really should consider getting these cutting through the matrix books, because uh, they really go back into the mists of time, and... Uh, it certainly answered a lot of questions for me because um, as always, it's always very difficult to try and understand something if you if you if you can't see it, where it started, like you said, Alan. Yeah. So, uh, what is you it? It's true. You, you, if you, you'll never understand the present if you can't understand the tricks of the past, massive tricks that run countries for and empires for thousands of years. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. So I would recommend them to uh, to anyone, but. I wanted to ask you about this great work, um, this androgynous agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that just for us, or, or do these the people at the top intend to become androgynous as well? Cause it's, for the, it's, it's for the people. Yeah, it's mainly for the people. Um, well, why is that, though? It, it's, um, Plato talked about it, too. They all talked about it. You'll find even traces of it in, in major religions, the, the ancient religions, too where Plato talked about the gods, the, the god-type people that used to exist. This is how they phrase it. 
And what they're really doing is projecting into the future a story that never really happened in the past. But he says when these people passed you, there were women from the back and men from the front. He was trying to hint at you that to do with the androgynous agenda. In the Old Testament, you have a deity that creates male and female. And in Talmudic Judaism, you'll find it's taught that the, the, the God, therefore, was there for male and female, uh, hermaphroditic. And so the perfect type of society would be hermaphroditic, in other words. This is how they couch it, too. But the scientific groups of today have talked about it as well, that they, if they created the perfect types, they could use an inoculate, uh, just a vaccine or whatever, to stimulate you and to turn, if you were a hermaphrodite, to turn on the ovaries or turn on the masculine qualities uh, if they want to breed, for instance. They've, they've had articles out in mainstream science about this, of what they want to bring in down the road. NASA put out a two-hour documentary 10, 12 years ago on it uh, with David Suzuki prattling on in the background about the needs to go into space and they'd have to breed the people in, uh, on way, en route to their destination uh, maybe started by computer, and um, and then they could start to grow them in a sort of lab-type situation run by computers to grow human beings, and it would be better if they were hermaphroditic rather than male and female. That would cause there would be no friction on the ship, in other words. And, and also, too, they could perhaps stimulate one to produce a, a female or, or a male offspring if you activated the female side of that hermaphrodite through chemical means and hormonal means. So th- this is big, big stuff for them. Understand the old man, as we are today, and woman, has to, has to go. But the ones at the top, the ones at the top says they won't change themselves. Do they intend yeah. to do that to themselves? I, I, only if they fancy it, I think. If they're so jaded, they might want to try the thrill of it, maybe. But uh, to be honest with you, people like Charles Galton Darwin says, we, the elite, mustn't change ourselves. He was referring mainly to their mindset and their intellect and so on, but I don't think they want to change themselves at the top. He says, we, we are, must remain wild where we domesticate the public. He says, we at the top must remain wild and not use these techniques on ourselves in order to, to rule and direct the course of the planet. He says, we're the captains of the ship. We at the bottom won't need that. We'll just be a, an emotional mess, sobbing in our handkerchiefs probably, you know, kicking footballs around. But thanks for calling, Daniel. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.